Not one person that I met in rehab expected this outcome for their future. Not one person had this in their plans, and I know I certainly didn't. But it's happened, and it's really opened up my eyes in ways that I can't even begin to explain. Guess who's back? Back again. Hello and welcome to the Curl Squad's Curl Power Podcast with me, Zoe Fox. Curl friend, it has been a few weeks and you know what? I was not prepared for that degree of separation from you. I'm not going to lie. But what a whirlwind the last few weeks have been. And you know what? I've really, really missed you and I've really missed the podcast. So if you're a first time listener, I've just got out of rehab. Rehab? I hear you cry. What sort of podcast is this? Well, actually, spinal cord injury rehab is where I have just been. So if this is the first time you're hearing about my spinal cord injury, you might want to jump back a few episodes to the beginning of the podcast where I spoke a little bit about my experience of sustaining a spinal cord injury at the beginning of the pandemic with a condition called Corda Equina Syndrome. So yeah, I'll go into quite a bit more detail about what happened if you're interested. I can pop the link in the show notes for ease of reference. So yeah, I've been out of hospital now for what, two to three weeks, but I had to give myself some time to just adjust to life after rehab. But that said, I didn't want to lose my momentum with the podcast. We got it started in March. I've been enjoying delivering episodes on a weekly basis for you guys. I've been loving the feedback and the engagement that I get from you. And yeah, I didn't want to leave it any longer. I wanted to get straight back into the bosom of my people. Um, I did think about doing a whole relaunch and doing a summary episode of all of the episodes so far. And I thought, you know what? Why am I making my life more difficult than it needs to be right now? The essence of what I should be doing at this moment after rehab is just taking things right down, not trying to do too much, slowing it down, focusing on my healing, not trying to be like some sort of media empire because I do this all by myself. I do the, obviously the recording, I do all the editing and the promotion, the marketing materials all by myself and it's quite a lot you know, my capacity is quite significantly limited at the moment because of my injury. So it's a lot to do. So I don't really need to be giving myself any extra work. It's not that I don't want to give you my absolute utmost best because I totally do, but I have to sort of respect my healing journey. So if this is how I'm going at this point of like being injured and trying to get my life back together, can you imagine, can you imagine how things are going to be when I'm like feeling a bit more like myself again if that's ever going to happen I don't know but like you know when I've sort of yeah got over some of the trauma of this stuff and I'm like firing on all cylinders I'm going to be a force to be reckoned with guys so this has been a really good exercise in just seeing what I'm capable of doing when the chips are down so I'm quite proud of myself so tell us about your rehab experience I can hear you calling in the distance (laughs) okay Let's get into it. So if you are familiar with my story, you will know that at the beginning of May, one of my friends set up a GoFundMe campaign to try to help to raise some funds to get me some vital support that I've been needing so desperately after my injury that I hadn't been able to access due to COVID, 
everything got locked down didn't it in the wake of covid so i was left here with this new injury and without any help and support so my friend was like you know we can't be having this we need to get you some access to some stuff so let's set up this gofundme campaign and see what we can do to help you which she did and the response was absolutely amazing like i'm still totally blown away by everybody's kindness and generosity and if you supported that campaign in any way whether it was through sharing through donating just through sending good vibes out into the universe to me trust me i really really appreciate it so this campaign got some momentum it was getting shared about on social media off the back of that the press the local press picked it up um so my story featured in my london news and then from there it was also featured in the mirror so in the national press and in the daily mail as well so that was crazy to see my little head flying about the internet (laughs) so yeah there was a lot of love coming my way and just this whole energy around my story and what had happened and I think all of that just culminated in me actually finally receiving a phone call from the hospital the specialist spinal injury centre inviting me in for a three-week inpatient stay to assess my situation so I'm not gonna lie I was pretty anxious about it three weeks away from my family three weeks away from my daughter my two-year-old three weeks away from my husband yeah you get the picture i i I said it didn't i when i said three weeks away from the family so yeah i wasn't exactly excited at the prospect and to be honest i felt quite rejected by the health service because i've been desperate as i say for a year to have some help some input some insight as to what was going on with my body as a result of this injury So I was supposed to originally go into rehab in January, but then we had that second lockdown coming in in the UK, um, which meant that rehab got cancelled again. So I was really, really upset about that. Then I had a call to say that, you know, yeah, it wasn't going to happen, but they'll keep me in mind. So then I made a follow-up call about a month or so later to then be told, oh, I'm sorry, we're having to prioritise newly injured people. I was like, oh really, thanks, you know, what about us guys who were injured at the beginning of the pandemic and have been left without any help and support? So that was a hard pill to swallow. So yeah, when they did finally call, I was like, well, I don't want to go anyway. Yes, you do. Stop being an idiot. My husband was like, yeah, you're absolutely going. And my dad shared the same sentiment. And I was like, yeah, okay, I do need to go, don't I? But in some weird way, Because I was left by myself after my surgery to sort of like face the condition, it's like, well, you know, I had to convince myself that that I was all right and that everything was okay and perhaps it wasn't that serious because it was a year, over a year, 12, 13, 13, 14 months without any professional input after injury. So I sort of got so used to coping by myself that I was like, oh, well, it can't be that serious, can it? Well... One of the biggest, most burning questions for me about my stay was, am I going to be in a room by myself? Because the prospect of having to share with a bunch of strangers after I've been in like isolation for over a year was not exactly filling me with joy and excitement. I thought if I had a private room, that would be sweet. But like being lumped in with a bunch of strangers wasn't exactly appealing to me, (laughs) to be quite honest. 
So yeah, got to rehab. I was in a room with other people. And these are people from varying walks of life with different sorts of life experiences. But it's challenging as a person of colour, being put into circumstances and situations that are not of your constructing in a way. Because as I say, you're never too sure about who you're going to end up with. And a lot of the time, you know, it's well-meaning people that totally miss the mark with racially insensitive comments, saying stuff that, like, I just don't want to hear. Do you know what I mean? I'm here to try and heal and to overcome what has been an incredibly traumatic, exhausting year. I don't want to have to be sort of, like, challenging all of these little... Mm. racially insensitive comments all the time basically so it, it was a bit of a challenge in the room but it did give me a real insight into some of the issues that we've got in this country around race I'm so used to living in my bubble and you know my family my friendship circle were all sort of socially conscious people and you start to forget that the people in the Facebook comments section under the Daily Mail posts And the Sun posts, the Sun newspaper posts, they're real people. They live out there in society. And you might not rub shoulders with them every day. But if you end up in hospital, you might end up in a bed next to one. And the thing is, is people just don't realise how offensive some of these casual statements that they're saying can be. And that by having black family or friends or neighbours in their mind makes it almost impossible for them to be racist and the suggestion of that would um, would just totally offend them but all the while they're not re- realising that the things that they're saying is like yeah, it's not appropriate and I didn't want to hear it and I didn't want to be challenging it and that wasn't what I was there for and it's like just because the black people in your family have normalised this language and have made you feel as though it's okay to speak in that way, Does that doesn't mean that you can speak like that to anybody else. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I had all that to contend with, and I was finding myself getting really angry and really frustrated about the dynamic that was unfolding. And when I went into hospital, I had this vision <laughs> that I was going to read about five books and all of this sort of stuff, and... The dynamic in the room just wasn't sort of creating the right sort of environment for me to get my head stuck into my books and stuff. So, And I also thought that I was going to carry on with my podcast recording and all of that sort of stuff. But yeah, the dynamic was just really messing with my vibe. And I had to have a little bit of counselling from the fam on the phone who were like, you know, don't forget, this is your healing journey. Don't take it on. Focus on yourself. And I'm like, you know what? That's right. I do need to just focus on me right about now. So anyway, I did summon the courage to ask for a room change. And I ended up in a room with some really cool people who were all very sort of quiet and focused on their own healing journeys. And I made some really cool friends in that room too, which was which was amazing. And my new room had direct access to the gardens, the garden facility. So I was at the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital in London at the Spinal Injuries Centre there. And oh my gosh, talk about world-class facilities and treatment. Just incredible. The staff there were just amazing. There wasn't one single member of the team that let them down. Everybody that, everybody that was there worked with heart 
and there was no one who made you feel as though anything was too much trouble. So yeah, I had this beautiful garden right next to my bed and the garden was developed by a charity called Horatio's Gardens and that's an organisation that was set up as a memorial project for a young guy called Horatio who was killed by a polar bear on an expedition um, at the age of just 17 and his dad was a spinal surgeon or a spinal consultant and Horatio wanted to have some involvement in um, spinal injuries when he grew up so this project was set up in his memory and Horatio's Gardens have been working through the country to enhance and develop the garden facilities at spinal injury centres and what a difference it makes to be able to go outside and have that space where you can just <sighs> exhale, take a deep breath, really tune into the nature, zone into the sound of the birds, listen to the sound of the water features. In the three week stay that I was there, I got to see different plants, you know, come into their to their peak and then die off just yeah just this this sort of movement through the garden like the tulips and then yeah just it was just incredible and that's all looked after by the head gardener there Ashley who's an amazing guy who's doing really incredible things actually and to see a person of colour um in charge of the garden was really powerful as well so shout out to Ashley and shout out to Tracy who also ran workshops for Horatio's garden so I got to do things like making a teddy bear for show and making some lavender pillows and getting on the sewing machine I got to make some jewellery out of glass and stuff and all really important activities that help you to just stay really present in the moment and yeah not thinking about everything else that's going on but just really focusing in on the activity which is really which is really important to have that time for your mind just to get into the present in addition to that I had a real solid schedule of physio so physio was something that would happen every day so we'd wheel down to the gym and have a session there and I was doing different things so like working on my balance working on my core um, I was doing some sort of practice walking and stuff with um, different walking aids and getting a feel for that and the physio that I was working with there, Kirsty, was fantastic. I got to do some work with Victoria, who was my occupational therapist. And that's thinking about working from home set up. So at the moment, I'm sitting on a chair that's really uncomfortable on a desk that isn't functional. So one of the things that GoFundMe is going to allow me to do as well is invest in some decent seating equipment because at the moment I can't sit for very long very comfortably which is one of the biggest challenges of keeping this podcast flowing is because yeah to edit and to um, record and you know I just don't have the budget to get an, an editor at the moment so I am doing it all by myself so trying to make my work desk set up as comfortable as comfortable as possible is really going to help me to re-engage with work again and get back into all of that so yeah Victoria was fantastic I was also able to participate in sports. We did stuff like table tennis, boccia, bowls. And actually, shout out to Martin, who was leading our sports sessions, and Victor. He says I've got a bit of a flair for the old bowls. So he told me to keep it up. So you never know, you might see me competing in the next uh, Paralympics. <laughs> 
in bowls actually i don't know if it if it even is an olympic sport but you know what with practice you never know you might see me you might see me yet we also had psychology appointments which gave us the time and space to talk through well for me to be able to talk through my experience and talking about resilience and sort of allowing myself to exhale and be vulnerable after a year of really having to sort of soldier it you know to keep myself going we had bladder and bowel management groups where we you know we were able to sit in groups and talk through issues of bladder and bowel because almost everyone with spinal cord injury is impacted in some fashion with regards to bladder and bowels we also had peer support sessions so those were all done by zoom because of covid obviously we can't all get together but those are people who are also injured but are further down the line in their journey and it's quite inspiring to see how they've adjusted to their lives and we're able to talk through our issues and stuff with them and and that was cool and the group sessions were really good to get you know for getting to meet other people and one of the things that really sort of strikes home is just hearing everybody's stories and getting a sense of who they were before their injury and what brought them to that point what caused their injury and one of the things that come up a lot in rehab in conversations with everybody was frustration everybody's feeling a sense of frustration because we're not able to do the things that we've always been able to do you know you want to heal faster than you're able to not everybody is able to do that either depending on the severity of your injury so there were varying degrees of injury based on the level of injury so depending where people were injured along the spine and the severity of the compression to the spinal cord so my injury is quite a low level injury so that's the lower back in the lumbar region of the spine and my injury is classed as an incomplete injury so there's scope for things to improve for me but there are some people there who will be permanently paralyzed and if the injury is higher up in the neck then that's going to impact everything below that injury site so that could be you know impacting your ability to swallow the use of your arms your ability to cough people some people have to have manual interventions to be able to help them to cough and stuff like that and people ended up there for a whole range of different reasons so there were people that were injured in bike accidents quad bike accidents falling down the stairs and even some people who just woke up one morning paralyzed unable to move from infection of the spine and that's without any prior warning literally normal the day before go to bed wake up realize you can't move and that's how quick spinal cord injury can impact you your life was one thing one day and something else the next and spinal cord injury can happen to anyone at any time for any reason and in fact there's a really good documentary on the BBC iPlayer if you're here in the UK called Any One of Us and I remember watching that not long after I was injured and oh my gosh it made me cry like I bawled because the way that I could relate to it I just bawled and bawled but I'd recommend watching that if you'd like to find out a little bit more about the spinal cord experience because it's true you know any one of us at any given time and I'm not trying to scare people but the reality is when you're sitting there with a group of people that are all you know we're all in wheelchairs we're all suffering one way or another and 
it sort of challenged my perceptions really of disability and my own internalised ableism and ignorance around disability and wheelchair use and how before my spinal cord injury I just thought that if I saw somebody in a wheelchair I just naturally assumed that they would be totally paralysed but like myself you know I am a walker I can walk if you see me I might be walking with crutches I could be walking without or for more distant stuff then I'm going to need to use a wheelchair and this is where it gets a little bit risky in sort of challenging people at um, who are using disabled bays when they're parking up disability doesn't always look like what you think it's going to look like and of course there's always going to be some cretins that abuse those parking spaces and we'll let that be on them you know god forbid they should ever be in a situation where they would actually need to use a disabled parking bay but let's just trust that if you see somebody using it they're using it for a reason if someone's in a wheelchair chances are they need it you know it's not like a fun day out it's a necessity and the truth is like my world is quite a small space without a wheelchair like I can walk a very short distance but a wheelchair allows me so much more freedom to be able to access more stuff and travel that little bit further and I think representation really matters and disabled voices need to be heard because it's easy to not have to think about disability if you don't have to and if you don't know anyone that's disabled and it's never really touched your life you know it's easy to stay ignorant about it but as I've just said this can happen to anyone at any given time not one person that I met in rehab expected this outcome for their future not one person had this in their plans and I know I certainly didn't but it's happened and it's really opened up my eyes in ways that I can't even begin <laughs> to explain the way that it has broadened my my understanding my empathy but should it have taken me to have a spinal cord injury for me to have that sense of awareness and it's interesting how this sort of like interplays with the conversation about race do you need to be a black person to perceive and understand racism? What does it take to get you to really put yourself in the shoes of somebody else's lived experience to help you to get a little sense of what it might be like for them? Because just because you don't experience it and you don't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So what can we all be doing to try and do a little bit better to think outside of our own experience and into that of others? I remember seeing a meme on Facebook a little while ago and it was essentially saying that this woman was gross because she had like stains on her trousers. She was wearing sort of like beige coloured trousers with what looked like, you know, faeces stains at the back. And I'll be honest, I judged her. I judged her in that moment thinking, oh, nasty, how's she out like that? But the truth is that could have been me. That could be me now. When the bowels want to fire off, they'll fire off. You know, that woman could have been in the supermarket where this picture was taken, trying to buy some stuff to clean her up because she's had a bowel accident. But, like, what would life look like if we were all a little bit less judgmental and a little bit more empathetic? Because, yeah, each of us were out there living our best lives <laughs> until spinal cord injury brought us to this space. And it's real humbling. There was something really special for me about being with a group of people with um, the same sort of injuries because 
there's stuff that's really quite embarrassing about spinal cord injury and stuff that shouldn't be because it's all normal bodily functions but it's society isn't it it's society with its big judgy finger you know making us feel away about certain things but i'm not doing it anymore i'm i'm not i'm not going to carry shame about this injury it's something that happened to me and i'm proud of who i am and i might be more prone to having bowel accidents now than i was before but it is what it is why should i carry shame why should i be embarrassed about that nobody should and the beautiful thing about sharing space with other spinal cord injury people is that we could just have these really sort of candid conversations about what it's like to live with bowel damage bladder damage sensation damage and all of that sort of stuff so on the day of my departure my consultant came to see me and he said people live with diabetes and you'll come to live with this too you've got the tools in place you've got the medication and stuff in place to help you learn to live with it so now it's just about finding a new way of being with the knowledge that i've got and i feel so 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 privileged that i was able to have this three weeks in such an incredible place meeting some really amazing people and what's really exciting for me now is that again thanks to this gofundme campaign is that I'm going to be able to continue with the good work that I started in rehab and I've already been able to book in 48 sessions of clinical exercise at a centre near me and in the few sessions that I've already had because I've already started I've had like three sessions I'm already feeling the benefits of those just being more mindful Uh, about my movement, more confident about my movement, knowing how I can engage different muscle groups now to help to protect um, my back and stuff. It's it's really exciting and the prognosis is looking good. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some work. But this is another really important thing to remember is that, as I sort of alluded to before, spinal cord injuries vary. Some people have complete injuries, which are at the more severe end. So the chance of of their legs starting to move again are less likely, for example, um, compared to my injury, which is an incomplete injury. So there is scope for me to progress. So don't think that just with like, you know, hard work and good intention, everybody in a wheelchair is going to be able to miraculously get up and start walking. Hallelujah. That isn't the case. But in my case, with my injury and my prognosis, the outlook is positive. So it's going to be in some ways like, I'll be like a jar or a jug that got broken and glued back together. There'll always be some sort of vulnerabilities there, but I'll be able to function as a whole unit. So now this is where the next phase of my journey begins. And that's a phase of acceptance, a phase of surrendering, adjusting, faith, hard work and patience. Because it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time and that's the biggest thing that I'm learning. I'm having to really think about how to slow things down and just to get present again, just to take the time to be more present and um, just do the best that I can do in that moment and that's all I can do. So with that, I'd just like to say thank you to you for listening thank you to anybody that has supported um, the podcast shared the podcast shared the gofundme donated to the gofundme to all of the incredible members of staff 
at the Spinal Injuries Centre in Stanmore. So that's Kirsty, Sandra, Tina, Patience, Victoria, Victor, Loretta, Bianca, Charlotte, Mr. Desai, Martin, Bernie, Amanda, Esther, Luke, Raluca, Halia, Lynn, Sean, Eileen. You guys, your care, your knowledge, your time has made such a difference to me. I'm so, so grateful to the National Health Service for giving me the opportunity that I've just had. So hair starts the next chapter if you enjoyed this episode please do rate review and make sure to subscribe you can follow me and my personal journey over at zoe.e.fox on instagram or you can follow the page of the podcast which is at the curl squad on facebook and instagram also on twitter i'm gonna get back to my guest shows real soon i've got one ready to edit and get out to you and i'll be lining up some more guest interviews to bring to you too but in the meantime sending you big big love till next time <laughs>